It is the season of Lent, and our lectionary passage for uh, today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, beginning at verse 1 and going through verse 9. Uh, Hear the word of the Lord. At that very time, there were some present who told him, that is Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. May God bless our hearing and understanding of this, His holy word. Thanks be to God. 39 years ago, almost to this day, I was driving with three friends from Austin to Dallas. Yeah, I was doing the driving. Friday morning of a spring break weekend. Our destination was a hotel uh, near Love Field. There was a conference being held there. We were on I-35 in Central Dallas. Anybody ever been there? (laughs) Oh, yeah. That multi-lane racetrack couple miles before we would turn off and we'd make our way toward Mockingbird Lane. There were at least four lanes of traffic going north. Relatively conservative person, I'm in one of the right two lanes. Trying to keep my eyes on the traffic, watch the mirrors, be safe. So I'm looking in my rear view mirror and all of a sudden I see over on the left hand side, remember I'm on the right hand side, Far left-hand lane, there's a truck, pickup truck, I mean, this is Texas, right? Pickup truck, pulling an open-air trailer full of household goods. So, uh, you know, looking around, checking. I noticed that as the truck was pulling up, it changed lanes moving towards us. Check the mirror again, it's getting a little closer. Something about the movement of the truck 
got out of control. The driver tried to correct, as is often the case, it was an overcorrection. So, uh, you know, this is just in an instant, and I'm watching. The truck goes left, it goes right. It's coming towards us. <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. As the truck reeled toward us, the driver tries one more time to correct. And i got to say to you, it didn't work. What to do? You just have a split second. I'm not prepared for this. So I stepped on the gas. The truck spun out of control. I'm looking in the rear view mirror and I watched it roll over. Right there on the interstate, trailer and all. It's just an instant, you know, I'm going, I don't know, 60, 70 miles an hour and you see the smoke, chaos, the people behind turning left, turning right. Uh, a seminary student from Austin Seminary at the time sitting in the back left-hand side behind me, the driver, he said, you know, Andy, it missed us by two feet. You know, over the years, I've played that scene in my mind periodically. You would too. I have the usual questions that you have. First of all, I don't know what the truck's problem was, but it had gotten out of control. You think of the torque on the, the trailer in the back. It's awfully hard to get that back under control. I know that part. You know, why press the accelerator? I don't know. I know what happened to the truck and the trailer, but I'm ashamed to say I don't know what happened. There were at least two people in the truck. I don't know what happened to them. What about those who were coming along? That split second, do I go left or right as the truck has the wreck in front of me? And how do you deal with this in faith perspective? Was this divine judgment? Should I conclude that, but for the grace of God, there we go. And I don't know about the passengers. I want to plead a little holy mystery here. Something we should do more often, I believe. <clears throat> Nothing that happened that day necessarily separates anyone from God. But it was undoubtedly a terrible day for some people. I don't know. How such a truck wreck plays its part in God's providence. I do know this. It impelled me to ask the question. I still ask this. It should impel you to ask the question and ask the question and ask the question. You know, I don't know about them, but why am I alive? They're in God's providence. Why am I here? That's the question we have to answer. And it's the kind of question, good friends in Christ, that our gospel lesson this morning from Dr. Luke presses on us in this season of Lent. And I want to say it, truth be told in church, it presses on us in a hard way. Jesus and the disciples are going through the countryside, slowly making their way to Jerusalem, preaching, teaching, healing, counseling, and people talk as they make their way. So they tell Jesus as he approaches, Jesus, what about the death of those Galileans? Apparently they had run afoul of Pilate. Now that's a bad guy. 
He had them executed. Cruel. You know the questions. Jesus, were they worse than anybody else? Were they criminals? Did they deserve what happened to them? When will God get rid of the Romans? See what Jesus said? Well, you know, there was also a tower, Jesus says. They're in Siloam. That's a suburb of Jerusalem on the south side. 18 people were killed in a tower collapse. So Jesus presses the question about the death of the Galileans and the 18 dead in Jerusalem. The Galileans, remember friends, were victims of human cruelty. We know something about that, don't we? And the Judeans were caught up in what some folks will call a natural disaster and the insurance companies call an act of God. It's terrible. But you see, they're pressing on Jesus. You see, Jesus, not just anybody, it's Jesus. They're pressing on him. Are they worse than the other people around? You heard what he said? No. I want to ask a contemporary question. Are the Ukrainians worse than other nations? Heck no. They are not. Now Jesus does not take the role of expert detective. He has that right. Or judge parsing the lives of the dead. At least at that point, he tells the crowd, hard word, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Then he adds that brief parable. We're given a finite amount of time. God calls us to bear fruit for the kingdom. I'd say that was a hard-edged reply. Now, in our culture, we're familiar with the saying, the carrot or the stick. You've heard that one, haven't you? A positive reinforcement or a negative one. Now, according to the summaries in the Gospels, Jesus repeatedly used the phrase, repent and believe the good news. That's the carrot. It's a great carrot. The Greek word repent has that basic meaning of a change of mind or perspective and then the embrace of those activities consistent with that perspective. Put the good news in front. Make changes accordingly. Jesus preached it time and time again. Good news. Repentance means developing and using a kind of spiritual and moral compass. It points to the definitive coming of God's reign. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we point towards, what we live for, we're called to do. Repentance so that we see evil for what it is and how we can oppose it. And to know that in the feet of the last enemy, even death is in God's hands. That's good news. As Jesus put it on the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom and God's righteousness, and the good news will ultimately triumph. It'll be our destiny, a gift. But see, in our passage, it's the stick. God's good creation currently has flaws in it, and we know that. Our universal human fallibility results in our mortality. We shall all likewise perish, but thank God that is not the last word in the kingdom. 
You know, just a few moments ago, we sang that old revival hymn. Anybody tapping their toe when they were singing? Just as I am. Easily one of the top five Christian hymns in the last two centuries of English-speaking cultures. Now, friends, I grew up in North Carolina where we would say, now I'm a cradle Presbyterian. There are more Baptists than people. <laughs> I can't remember a time when even we Presbyterians didn't sing that hymn on a regular basis. And that, of course, you've got the Crusades and Billy Graham and so forth. I love the hymn, but I want to tell you just a little bit about the author of that hymn. Her name is Charlotte Elliott, born March 18th, 1789. She came from a well-known Church of England family, had several ministers in it over generations. Her brothers were priests. Successful business pursuits, a lot going for them. She was well-educated. She liked to paint and to write. She was serious about her faith. But she could be quite hard on herself. You know anybody like that? In her early 30s, she fell desperately ill. We all know the questions that she asked, don't we? Why me? How long? Have I failed you, Lord? Am I going to die? She recovered from that sickness, but was struck periodically by debilitating illnesses, I use the plural, for the rest of her life. She lived to be 82 years old. Much of her adult life was spent at home. There would be months repeatedly when she could not leave the house. What does one do in such circumstances? How does one answer that question? What am I to do with the life I've been given and the circumstances in which I find myself? To put it in Jesus' term from today's lessons, what kind of fruit could she produce in the time that God would give her? It's the question we all have to ask. See, in her case... As I told you, she liked to write. That's something she could do even as an invalid. So she began. She wrote hymns. The precise number of the hymns is not known, but it's well over a hundred. The question is complicated by the fact that she sometimes wrote anonymously, didn't sign what she wrote, but she did distribute it. She was the editor of Get this title, friends. The Invalid's Prayer Book. Just As I Am. Just As I Am was published in that work, among other places. Now, she was not a musician, so uh, this famous hymn was not set to music for another 12 years. Before somebody came along who was a musician and set it to the tune that we now have. She published a work titled Hours of Sorrow, Cheered and Comforted. She wrote poetry. And as you might imagine, she carried on a wide correspondence with friends and contacts 
from all those days and months that turned into years of confinement at home. When she died, her family was going through her belongings. They discovered a box with some thousand letters in it, most from people she did not know personally, but who wanted to reach out to her and tell her how much her hymns and poems had meant to them. Bearing fruit with something you know and love. Well, it's March 2022. We are spiritually on the road, you and I. We're on the road to Jerusalem with Jesus and the disciples. To what end? At that great festival of Passover, where Jews gathered to celebrate God's triumph over Egyptian slavery, the true Lamb of God would give His life for the redemption of all God's people. I want to put it this way, past, present, and future. He bore the weight of the whole world on Good Friday and in His resurrection defeated that last enemy, death, to bring life to you and to me and to the world. I love that old Presbyterian catechism. It says, given God's gracious triumph through Christ, what now is our chief end? You know, March 2022. And the answer, as many of us have learned to quote, is this. Our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's present tense, and it goes into eternity. An eternity that resides in God's hands with all the mysteries that we wrestle with. Now, friends, isn't that the context we want to think about the call to repentance? Not the long face or the giving up, but the direction that repentance allows us to go with joy. Put the good news out front. Contemplating those divine acts that God has performed on our behalf reminds us of who and whose we are. Repentance means embracing those practices that give to the Lord proper praise. Give us joy in His grasp and comfort in and through us to His people. You see, friends, whether it's Jesus responding to questions about the senseless death of those Galileans or us asking questions about the senseless death of the Ukrainians, they don't deserve it. We have to circle back to the question, why are we here? Because just as we are and just where we are, there's plenty of opportunity for service. Amen.